So a little bit about Middletown Township. We're at the heart of Lower Bucks County. Uh, we are a pretty good-sized community of about 45,000 folks. Uh, we cover the areas of Langhorne and Levittown, uh, both in part. We share with some of our neighbors. Um, and we, if you're probably familiar with some of our uh, main landmarks, including Sesame Place, Oxford Valley Mall, St. Mary's, uh, the Chamney School District is here. Uh, we're really at the heart of uh, the crossroads of Route 1 and I, now 295. Um, so... Our governing body is our Board of Supervisors, uh, very common with pretty much all of the municipalities in our area. Um, they meet one to two times a month to discuss uh, township business, make decisions, and more importantly, uh, engage the community, hear from them, hear the responses, uh, and really weighing in on uh, what the township is up to in a public forum. And so our last meeting was about two weeks before the shutdown on March 2nd. So prior to the pandemic, um, all of our agendas for our meetings are posted online. We typically meet um, on a Monday evening, and so all of our agendas are posted typically by Friday, if not even a little bit earlier. Um, prior to that, residents really had two options to view the meeting. Um, they could either come to the building in person, we're uh, pretty centrally located in our township at our municipal center, um, or they could watch from home uh, on broadcast. We do have a, a cable television channel that broadcasts to Comcast and Verizon, which covers pretty much all of our local uh, cable subscribers. Um, afterwards, uh, we do record our meetings and we post those uh, to our website and they are um, carded for the, each agenda item so you can shortcut it, but that has about a three-day delay to it. Um, and prior to the pandemic, the only way for the public to really engage in real time with their elected body was to show up um, and make a public comment in person. Um, so shut down pretty much like everybody else. Uh, Mid-March, we shut our doors. Uh, we did actually have a meeting scheduled for that next business day on Monday the 16th. Ended up canceling that meeting um, shortly after we held a brief emergency session uh, to pass a, an emergency declaration uh, resolution, which is a very common thing. And I'm sure pretty much all of our neighbors did uh, to uh, open ourselves up to some potential emergency funding down the road. Um, and it was about a month later on April 13th that we held our first fully virtual regular business meeting. Um, and so in that month's time, we had to really kind of get a grasp on, you know, how do we bring these public meetings to uh, everybody when we're all sitting at home? We really were looking at the big questions. Uh, what platform do we use? Uh, how do we prevent hackers and malicious actors from getting in the way of us conducting our business and working with the residents? Uh, how do we accommodate the public's right to interact with and comment on the business of their government? Uh, how do we inform the public about the changes to our process? And probably kind of the most important global question is, how do we give people confidence in the government? We are facing completely unprecedented times. People are scared. Um, you know, even those of us who work in government and, you know, our coworkers are police, fire, uh, emergency workers. You know, there's some level of scared. Uh, you know, we were scared, too. And, you know, we have to put on um, a brave face to give people confidence that, you know, their leadership and their government has uh, an opportunity to really lead them through. Um, so that was kind of all weighing heavy on us as we were talking through um, our changes. Um, so after, I should say, very early on, uh, we did look at using GoToMeeting. We did that for um, a couple weeks internally. But really, once we got off the ground, we ended up finding Zoom uh, was the best option. <clears throat> um, so we currently use Zoom webinar. 
Um, early on, we did use regular Zoom. Uh, we used the breakout room function just as an added layer of security. Uh, but I would say probably by May or June of last year, uh, we really felt like Zoom webinar was the best uh, product for us. It was affordable. Uh, we did consider working with some private vendors that have their own product. Um, it really wasn't worth the additional expense. Plus, they were even just difficult to get a hold of because we were one of hundreds, if not thousands, of folks um, across the country trying to get a hold of them because now we all are trying to do the same thing in virtual meetings. Um, and I would say the best thing with Zoom webinar is that you have the ability to create a recurring meeting since our meetings are typically every two to four weeks, always on a Monday night. Uh, we were able to use the same meeting ID. And so for those of you who are familiar with Zoom, um, we can have the same meeting link. It's been up since uh, the end of June. We've had the exact same meeting link and it creates that consistency, uh, especially for the folks who aren't super tech savvy. They have the ability to always expect the same meeting link and that's been really helpful for us to get um, for those who are uh, frequent attenders to our meetings. And so now for the viewing options, um, people can participate on the Zoom call. Um, they can watch live stream to YouTube is now something new that we offer, which we link to our website and social media at the time of the meeting. Um, and then we still, of course, have the government access cable channel. And I should add to this as well, um, since about March of this year, we have been doing hybrid meetings. So we still have all of these virtual options going on. Uh, but we are welcoming uh, our residents back into the building if they would like to participate uh, traditionally in person. Um, and to that point, public comment, um, it's a critical opportunity for the public to really weigh in and engage uh, with their elected officials. And uh, probably most importantly for them, it's uh, anything that they say becomes part of the official public record. So it's all documented with their minutes and such. Um, and in addition to the traditional in-person uh, format. When we went virtual, uh, we allowed people to text and email their public comments, and we still do. Uh, we don't get a ton of them all the time, but whenever there's some activity uh, or some interesting agenda item, um, it's a great way for people to more passively engage with us, especially for uh, the younger folks or those who aren't as you know embedded in our community or who, who are newer to the community. Um, it's a great opportunity for them to uh, very passively submit uh, a public comment to the record. And then during the Zoom call, folks can raise their hands um, as a participant. Uh, us as staff who are controlling the meeting, we can bring them in as a panelist with their camera and microphone on uh, to actually speak in real time in the meeting. Uh, and that's a great way. It's a good control for us to prevent anyone who might be wanting to do anything uh, negative to disrupt the meeting. Um, so communicating all of these changes, um, of course, we use website and social media to get um, all of the information out to the public. Um, we created an entire document, <clears throat> just a simple one-pager that outlines uh, the expectations of uh, that the community can have of the Board of Supervisors and that the Board of Supervisors has expectations for the community of how to participate. Outlines all of our details. We have it online at middletownbucks.org slash public comment. Um, and as I said before, we use the same Zoom ID for each meeting. There's also a phone number you can use to dial in. All of those instructions are listed online and we do read aloud the Zoom ID number and the phone number for anyone who may be watching on cable TV or the live stream who wants to hop online uh, to make a comment real time. And as I said before, since last summer, we've been using the same Zoom ID. <clears throat> 
Um, so I really like that Jennifer brought this up because I uh, wanted to echo what she was saying. Uh, we had a lot of failures along the way. Um, I think it's really important to embrace that and to recognize them as they happen and try to move forward and learn from them and make some changes accordingly. Uh, so we had a, one hybrid meeting last summer. I think it was in June just because as everything was starting to loosen up for the first time, um, it was a complete failure. <laughs> we were still able to get through the meeting, but we had you know, devices inside of the room. People were on their own audio. It created a lot of reverb. It was really not an ideal experience, uh, both for the uh, members of the board who were actually trying to conduct the business meeting, but also for the viewers, it was tough. Um, <clears throat> throughout the course of the year, we you know sometimes we'll have some bigger audiences. We typically have a relatively small audience, uh, but every once in a while there's an interesting agenda item that comes up that really draws out the crowd. Um, and so something we had to consider along the way is, well, how do we create enough space for folks to uh, to accommodate a large number of people in case we get that draw online? It's not like before where we just you know open up the doors and pull out some more chairs. And so at one point we had to expand our Zoom license. Um, there was a period of time we did allow people to make a phone call, public comment. So we had someone actually staffed in the building who would call upstairs. They would transcribe the comment. And it was helpful a little bit when it worked, but it ended up being a little bit cumbersome. And we ended up doing away with it because the text and the email yeah. options were a little bit more efficient for us. No problem. Um, so the new normal. As I said before, we've been doing hybrid yes. since early March. Uh, we use the same meeting link for everyone for every meeting. Um, residents can still participate from home or now in person. Uh, we use the dial-in option for those who may not be so tech-savvy who uh, want to participate by phone and not, uh, may not have access to a computer. Uh, we still have the text and email uh, public comment options. Um, and so I think you know, moving forward as we start to transition back to normal, uh, we're looking to keep a lot of these options around because we really have uh, been able to engage, I think, a whole new cross-section of our community unlike before and it really doesn't take any additional effort um, on the staff i know that's a big consideration is uh, you know how do we uh, staff accordingly to accommodate all of these additional needs and we found that a lot of these changes we've made have been pretty uh, low demand on the staff side um so looking forward some things that uh we haven't necessarily run into yet but that are kind of on the horizon for us to consider um, how do we reach non-English speakers? I think probably the most important thing that any of us can say today is knowing the audience you're communicating to. Um, as Jennifer said, uh, you know, a lot of her folks uh, need a translator involved. And so that's a need that they were identified, uh, they identified and uh, were able to accommodate. And you know, as our community continues to evolve, uh, that might be something we need to consider as well. Um, same for those who uh, have need for uh, accommodating hearing impairment, or folks without uh, access to internet or television. Um, and also allowing sufficient time in the live meeting for virtual participation. You know, when you're in, in a room together, you can really want to roll through the punches, but sometimes it takes some time for folks to really uh, get their uh, meetings logged on on Zoom or to get what they want said out there. So allowing some time in the live meeting to accommodate those things. Um, and plus, as we continue to you know, look forward, um, any of the hybrid options, it does sometimes require additional staff time. For us, we already have a handful of staff who are participating in the meeting, and so we're now kind of just serving a dual function. Uh, but for some smaller uh, communities or for other you know, meetings that may not have the number of staff involved, that could be a, definitely a consideration. So I appreciate your time. Look forward to answering uh, some questions later on. 
Um, we are now getting to uh, the question and answer portion of our program, and we have some questions sent in. Chris Thompson asks, uh, what have you both found is the best way to collect public comments during online meetings? So, Nick, do you want to answer that one? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, so, as I mentioned before, um, we, the thing that we tried and we failed at was um, doing phone calls. Um, it was a little bit cumbersome to manage it on the staff side, especially getting it from the person receiving the call and getting it into the live meeting. We found that, that was a bit of a challenge. Um, the thing that we like the most is uh, prior to the meeting, we do the email and the text. Um, we, uh, Because it is a public meeting, we do like bringing people in in real time to the Zoom call. Um, I know there's been a bit of a debate out there during, you know, about how different folks run these public meetings about do you allow people to do the Q&A function or the chat function. Um, we've opted against that just because we want to actually be able to interact with people and see kind of the face behind the keyboard, uh, especially making sure that it's someone who is, you know, part of our community and not someone who's trying to disrupt. Um, and, you know, we use the same principle for uh, doing our YouTube stream as well. We don't allow Q&A on that platform either. Uh, a question from Madge Monter. How do you handle other public meetings such as planning commission meetings? Nick, do you want to answer that one? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, so pretty much all of our board and commission meetings have been uh, done virtually. Um, we typically don't experience a large turnout to most of those. Probably the two exceptions to that would be our planning commission zoning hearing board, which is probably the case of most. Um, our planning commission, uh, we post that information online um, just because it's uh, a bit of a larger body and they handle, uh, you know, there's more folks involved because not only do you have the board and our staff, we also sometimes have anywhere from two to 10 folks on the developer side of things. Um, we request that anyone who's interested just simply send an email to our director and he adds them to the meeting. Uh, we use the same principle for, um, for the zoning hearing board. However, just with the laws that are at play, um, the level of public participation isn't quite the same for that. And so typically you have to be a party involved and I won't get into all of that, but uh, typically we have folks reach out to our staff person uh, who will allow them to uh, join access to the meeting. Many of the boards are now going back to uh, either a public meeting or a hybrid meeting here, here in New Jersey. Yeah, we're looking to go back to um, hybrid or fully in person by the summer and the fall as well. Yeah. And I will say that it has been a beneficial thing to have uh, virtual meetings on some fronts. Um, I personally am uh, the liaison to our Citizens Traffic Commission, mm -hmm. um, and being able to pull up on a Zoom call, you know, a map of our community talking about the streets, looking at the street view, we're all looking at the same thing right in front of our face. It's been incredibly effective for our conversations. Gotcha. A question from Jeffrey Wilkerson, are members of the board commission required to show up in person? And did the governing body have to pass a resolution to approve a hybrid approach? Another question for you, Nick. No problem. Um, we did not require um, our members to show up in person. We actually have uh, one of our members. Her name is Anna Payne. She's a very outspoken uh, member uh, who has cystic fibrosis, which is a very uh, rare and um, you know, could COVID could have put, uh, put a very uh, serious put her at serious risk. And so, uh, we never required any of our um, board members to attend in person. We've had meetings where, excuse me, some of them are in person, some are at home. They were all at home, and now they've all been in person since the pandemic. Um, so we've been incredibly flexible. Even our uh, staff folks, so we have several directors who participate, 
Uh, we've had a mixture again uh, with some who are in person, some who are not. Um, and really having that flexibility on the staff side uh, has been very effective for us. Thank you.